Blog Talk Radio. Tatum's going to try to work the ball on the Buckle up those chin straps. It's time for the Mike and Mike Show with Mike Pettis and Michael Carnahan. If it happens in sports, it happens here. And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into the Sub Ohms Vapor Studios here in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And welcome to another fantastic edition of Mike and Mike at Night this week on Talk Radio 49. Uh, this week, you know, we're going to be joined later by our, you know, esteemed co-host, Mike Pettis. He'll be calling in here on the sub Vapors hotline as he's out on location out there in Las Vegas. But uh, getting into some stuff here real quick, I want to go ahead and go down what we're going to be talking about tonight. You know, one of the big topics I want to get into tonight, Todd Haley and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Today it comes out Todd Haley will not, his contract is up and it will not be renewed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And my thoughts on this are very simple. I applaud the organization. That was a very, very smart, shrewd business move by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, all these people, you know, the minority owners and so on and so forth of the Steelers that are, they're lobbying for Mike Tomlin to get lose his job, you guys aren't going to win. Let's be honest here. How many Steelers head coaches have been fired? Uh, not many. I Honestly, off the top of my head, cannot think of one Pittsburgh Steeler coach to ever be fired you can go ahead and call in 347-989-1171 I mean there's a argument I guess to be said that Bill Cower may have been possibly on his way towards being let go whenever he decided to go ahead and retire and we brought in Mike Tomlin but that's the thing about it the Pittsburgh Steelers are very loyal to their head coaches and I mean let's be honest Mike Tomlin does not deserve to be fired. You look at his record over the years. Sean Payton. I'm going to bring this up because I heard this today on Cowherd. Sean Payton took three losing seasons just to get on the hot seat. Let's think about that here. Sean Payton, the same head coach that this last Sunday was one blown coverage away from the NFC Championship was on the hot seat. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. Mike Tomlin has been to two Super Bowls in his time. He won one of them. All you Pittsburgh fans that are claiming that Mike Tomlin needs to be let go, 
you've lost your damn minds. For for lack of a better term, you guys have lost your damn minds. You look at this Pittsburgh-Jacksonville game this last week. You know what I saw? I saw a mistake by Tomlin in the fact that you could tell that the that an elder el, an aging, excuse me, not elderly, an aging Ben Roethlisberger was rusted from his from his multiple weeks of sitting on the couch. Obviously, he was probably working out, but still. And then you look at Le'Veon Bell. Everybody that sat was rusted. But this isn't something that's uncommon throughout the league. You look at the Los Angeles Rams, who sat their players in the game against the San Francisco 49ers, and guess what? They lost. Every single team besides the New England Patriots, and let's be honest, no offense to you fans over there in Nashville, but the New England Patriots by far had the easier road to the uh, AFC Championship than the Pittsburgh Steelers did. And so they were the number one seed in the NFL playoffs. But everything that happened this past week pointed towards the New England Patriots going to the AFC Championship and playing and moving on. Let's be honest here. Everything. You you look at the New England Patriots roster, top to bottom, and they're made for what's going on right now. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not going to present a problem to the New England Patriots. But getting back to what we were talking about, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, the first quarter, you got a fourth and one, Todd Haley. Fourth and one. You've got the best quarterback in the league, I believe actually in the history of the league, on fourth and one quarterback sneaks. And what do you do? You hand it to Le'Veon Bell, who's not a speed back, not a speed back, a patient back. When you know that you're going to be blitzed, you hand it off to Le'Veon Bell on a sweep. I mean, that right there should seal the fact that you should not be a coordinator in the Pittsburgh, in, in Pittsburgh, or any team that is at a high level of playing right now. You look at these and you just scratch your head. How did Haley survive as long as what he did as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? And I'm going to tell you right now exactly how that happened. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger. He had one of the league's most high-powered offenses. But is that on Todd Haley? Or is that showing the skill set of Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, who, let's be honest, had another MVP performance this last Sunday in the loss. And I believe the guy still should be the MVP, even after he went down for a few weeks with injury. I still believe Le'Veon Bell belongs. Uh, belongs as the MVP of this league as we stand today. Uh, I mean, you look at the you look at the press release that occurred today. Give me one moment here as I pull it up. You look at the press release from Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. You know, Haley uh, quarterbacks coach Randy Fitchner, who has worked closely with veteran signal caller Ben Roethlisberger for most of his career is expected to be the next 
offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. So obviously, you know, you want to wish him luck because he does have a hell of an all thing. You know, Mike Tomlin said today, he says, I have made the decision not to renew the contract of for offensive coordinator Todd Haley. I would like to thank Todd for his contributions on our offense the past six years, and we wish him the best in his coaching future. That right there, straight to the middle. You know, he did have a successful six-year run here in Pittsburgh. He helped the Steelers into the top ten in scoring offenses in the past four seasons. The franchise's longest such streak since the 70s. Under Haley, Roethlisberger put up his biggest numbers of his career, and all-pro wide receiver Antonio Brown posted five straight 100-catch seasons. So let's not completely get down on Haley. The Todd Haley era produced some amazing things, but this last Sunday was just a microcosm. You know, everybody wants to, you know, I've seen on the Steelers message boards this past Sunday, And this week, you know, everybody wants to blame part of this on Keith Butler. Why? The defense is a direct – the defensive problems were in direct correlation to the fact that the offense couldn't move the ball. You look at at the fact that the defense was on the field an exorbitant amount of time. This is a game, mind you, that Pittsburgh, we all three – all myself, Mike Pettis, and his guest last week, we all said should win this handily. Actually, Brad Hicks came on for the show and said that the Pittsburgh Steelers should not only win this handily, he said that they were going to handily, he said that this was not even going to be as close as the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots would be. He thought this was going to be a blowout. That's the thing with these games, you know, I, yeah, and who could have predicted, I, I will give it this, who could have predicted the fact Blake Bortles was going to come out and look like an all-world quarterback? I'll give you that. Blake Bortles got set up, and he knocked the pins down today, or excuse me, last Sunday. The man was ready to go, and he stepped in the spotlight. Did he do anything completely amazing that changed my perception of him as a quarterback? No, because in my opinion, he just didn't lose the game. That's all he did. He was a game manager. He was still an Alabama prototypical quarterback, and there's nothing wrong with that. He didn't need to be a flashy Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type quarterback. All he needed to do was hand the ball off to to uh, Leonard Fournette and uh, hand the ball off to Yeldon, and the game plan was set. Now, here's the thing I got to ask about Todd Haley, though. Todd, you knew you were going to go up against one of the best defenses in the league, and you start the game when you have one of the, one of the league's best running backs. And you know that you have to set some balance for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be successful. You have to have balance. Even though you have the best wide receiver in the league right now, and y'all can feel free to argue that with me. I will argue all day, every day. Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown are the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the league right now. Better than Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. 
better than anything in this league currently. Definitely better than Andy Dalton and uh, A.J. Green. I, I mean, that one's not even close. You know, Peyton Manning, or excuse me, Eli Manning and OBJ. You know, hey, it's not even close to me. Nobody. No quarterback-wide receiver duo has been more successful than Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. I get that. Don't get me wrong. I completely understand that part of this. And I understand that aspect. But your first three plays, you not only three passes. Todd Haley, you emptied the backfield in all three passes. What was Ben going to do? You you showed your hand to the defense more often than not. And that's the mind-blowing microcosm that is Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It just it, it makes no sense. And, I mean, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, you've got to be happy right now because you did not play the Pittsburgh Steelers team that you should have played. Let's be honest. I, I, the Pittsburgh Steelers team you saw on the field this last Sunday, I I didn't even recognize them. I, and, I mean, yes, you have to put a little bit on the fact that Ryan Shazier wasn't there. I, I, I'm completely willing to put a little bit of that on there. But offensively, Antonio Brown was not hurt anymore. That, that, uh... That Achilles tear, I believe that's what it was, an Achilles tear, or maybe it was a hamstring pull. Excuse me. I I completely forget exactly what was wrong with uh, A.B., but the thing is this. It wasn't bothering him, and you saw that much when he burned the, the spectacular catches he made. Antonio Brown is clearly out there doing everything he can. Him and Ben Roethlisberger are doing everything they can. Juju Smith-Schuster, he couldn't muster anything against that defense. And it's nothing that we didn't expect. It's absolutely nothing that we didn't expect to happen. You know, discord between Haley and Roethlisberger throughout the years appeared really strong, and it highlighted tension behind the scenes, and the lack of cohesion bubbled to the surface during the 27-24 loss this earlier this season to the New England Patriots. Obviously, I'm making I I'm making reference to the fact that after the callback, which should have never happened, I, I'll agree there. Nobody expected that touchdown to be called back. And they shouldn't have, because let's be honest, we've had this argument before on the show the week after. Hey, hey, that was the touchdown and you're not gonna you're not gonna dissuade me from thinking that. But let's be honest here. I, the Pittsburgh Steelers were not ready to go for another play. They they look like they were ready to kick it off. Ben Roethlisberger comes in, throws a pass, bingo, bingo. And then he runs to the line. And he says, we're going we're gonna to spike the ball. And we're going to go in and we're going to talk about this. But what does Todd Haley scream in Ben Roethlisberger's ear? Don't fake spike, fake spike, fake spike. 
Todd. He didn't have enough time to communicate with the wide receivers that he was going to fake spike that. I mean, that's just it's just a microcosm of what happened in Pittsburgh this season. And why exact, what exactly led to Todd Haley being fired today after six seasons as the head offensive guru, so to speak, in Pittsburgh? I, I mean, and once again, I want to address all these fans, all these quote-unquote fans, all these quote-unquote experts that are saying that it's time for Mike Tomlin to go. Mike Tomlin has probably led one of the most successful periods in Pittsburgh Steelers franchise history. Honestly, this period that Tomlin's led for the past 10 years now, 10 years, has probably been the most successful, or the, excuse me, the second most successful time period for the Pittsburgh Steelers since Chuck Knoll. You know, Chuck Noll won four Super Bowls. Of course, Cowher wins the fifth and Tomlin wins the sixth. But under Cowher, you never saw this complete dominance of the of the AFC as what you see. You look at it right now and you have Alabama, as I call them, the New England Cheatriots or Patriots. And then you got what I would consider that 1B, I guess maybe this year the analogy would be Georgia, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This should have been a rematch in the AFC title game. And it just came down to the fact that Todd Haley couldn't coach. Todd Haley could not make the adjust. Excuse me. Todd Haley could not make the adjustments needed for the Pittsburgh Steelers to advance and play the New England Patriots this Sunday in the AFC Championship game. And once again, I mean, congratulations to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, y'all played a hell of a game. That interception, uh, clutch. You look at the, you look at that interception, and I, I looked at Brad at the time, and I says, Brad, that wasn't on Ben. That was just amazing amazing defense you look at the only play i say you can put on ben roethlisberger right here was the fumble the fumble returned for the touchdown and i'll say this is why even though it was a bad play call ben still held on to that ball too long you got to get that ball out of bounds ben you know better than that you're the the not to mention you're the most you're the hardest quarterback to take down in the league, Ben. And you go down and you fumble the ball. I just i I don't understand it right now. I I I just I can't. I can't understand what on earth happened there. And the only thing I can think of is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Todd Haley. That's all I can think of it amounting to is the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers need to go ahead, Todd Haley. And thank God. Thank God that they decided to do that. I I I mean, Proud doesn't even begin to describe how I feel about this decision 
from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Tomlin had several chances to endorse Todd Haley at Tuesday's end-of-the-year conference, but he really declined, citing a gathering information process. And Tomlin acknowledged some coaches or players who wouldn't be with the organization next year. And Roethlisberger, who's averaged 297 passing yards per game since 2014, emphasized continuity with coaches and players during his weekly radio show, citing a productive meeting with Todd Haley this week. That's politics, people. And that's exactly what you're going to get in the NFL. You're not going to get anything big. You're not going to get anything flashy with the with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're not going to get your big, oh, my God, this is when we knew that Ben Roethlisberger and Todd Haley were on the outs. Or this is when we knew Mike Tomlin and Todd Haley were on the outs. Uh, you're not going to get that, people. As much as everybody wants to see the Pittsburgh Steelers implode and be this drama organization like the Dallas Cowboys, that's not them. That's not any organization but the Dallas Cowboys when you want to be honest about it. Uh, I mean, they're the only organization I believe that's run like that, like a three-ring circus and basically what amounts to a reality TV show. So you look at some of the other games that happened this week. The New England Patriots roll over the Jacksonville Jaguars this past week, and you see a pattern here. The New England Patriots can't be stopped. And that's why I say that they're going to roll to their six, to the to at least playing for their sixth Lombardi trophy. I'm not quite sure they're going to win it. I'm definitely going to be cheering against them. Love to see Jacksonville go into that place because, you know, even though I hate that Jacksonville beat us, at least it means Tom Brady ain't going to get it. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about this New England Patriots, Jackson, or New England Patriots, Tennessee Titans matchup. You're listening to Mike and Mike from the Southern Vapor Studio live here on Talk Radio 49. Staying up to date with Talk Radio 49 has never been any easier. Go to Facebook, look up Talk Radio 49. If there's a particular show that you were interested in, check it out. American Idiots Podcast, Behind the Curtain, and many more. Also, hit us up on Twitter. That's Talk Radio underscore 49 on Twitter. Again, staying connected, it's all up to you. It's social media and Talk Radio 49 working to keep you connected. Are you looking for the best deals for your vaping needs and accessories? Then check out the guys at Sub Ohm Vapors. With daily specials on a wide selection of mods and juices, they will surely become your one-stop shop. Ray and the guys at Sub Ohm Vapors located at 6929 JFK Boulevard, Suite C in North Little Rock, Arkansas, want to see you. Join them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. 
More importantly, visit the store or call 501-392-6487. Sub on Vapors. Vape it like you built it. This is your Sports Minute brought to you by Mike and Mike. Jaguars 45, Steelers 42, the Patriots 35-14 over the Tennessee Titans, while the Eagles outlasted the Falcons 15-10, and the Vikings pulled off a miracle, beating the Saints 29-24. And that's been your Sports Minute brought to you by Mike and Mike. To recap all the action, to break it down, that's what Mike Pettis and Michael Carnahan do on the Mike and Mike Show. And it comes to you Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time only on your Fun and Game Station Talk. Radio 49. And we are back here on Mike and Mike at Night. Going to be a little bit of a shortened version of Mike and Mike at Night this week. We're only going to go an hour as we will be back next week getting ready for the Super Bowl as we will be coming back from from the championship games. And we're going to be looking at this next game right here. The other team in the AFC was decided this past week. As the NFL, as the NFL saw the New England Patriots move on, the and that's pretty much all you can say about this game. It was a complete blowout. There was never a doubt in anybody's mind that the New England Patriots were going to win this game. As a matter of fact, when Brad Hicks said that the Pittsburgh Steelers Jacksonville Jaguars game was going to be more of a blowout than the Tennessee Titans, New England Patriots game. I, I mean, I look like at the man like I thought he had two heads. It just completely asinine statement there by Mr. Hicks. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly what he was looking at. But, you know, at the same time, I did say earlier. And, I, I mean, he makes a good point. Should the Pittsburgh Steelers have lost the game this week, it would have been – or should the Pittsburgh Steelers have shown up, I should say, like they should have, then they would not have lost the game and they probably would have been just fine. Thing is here with this New England Patriots team, you got to wonder, is this the last hurrah? Is this going to be the last run for Brady? Is this going to be the last run for Belichick? I, I, I mean, I really, I question a lot of things when it comes to this game, I, especially this Sunday. I, Matt Patricia is obviously on his way potentially to being the Detroit Lions head coach. The offensive coordinator, Todd McDaniels, is on his way to being the brand-new head coach of, I believe, the Tennessee Titans. And we are now joined by Mike Pettis in studio. Mike, how are you doing today? Mike, can you hear me? Yes, I can, my friend. How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, man. I was just informing everybody we're going to have a little bit of a shorter show tonight. We're going to probably only go about another 30 minutes. But right now we're uh, at the point where we're talking about the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. And just the fact that it seemed like the Tennessee Titans, somewhat like the Pittsburgh Steelers, just didn't show up to play. Oh, man, I definitely agree. I mean, <laughs> Despite how difficult it was, definitely, you know, it's hard to go into uh, 
Foxborough and win as it is, but your pros, you're prepared to win. You go in with the game plan and execute with the ideal and, you know, but the idea of coming out with a victory, man, I just felt that they were somewhat intimidated by the Patriot name, you know, in Foxborough Saturday night, and they kind of got started slow now. They played better as the game went along. But as we all know, man, you can't start slow with the Patriots. It's going to be a problem because they're going to continue to score points, continue to score points and put pressure on you. So you can't, you know, have a start slow against a team of that caliber. So. I just felt they were intimidated. I don't even think they were outmatched. They were just intimidated. I completely agree with that statement right there. I mean, I mean, the they were not only intimidated. You know, they were outcoached. Because let's be honest. You know, me and Brad had this talk earlier when he when he was talking about how uh, he thought Tomlin deserved to be fired, and I said, "Who can't outcoach the hoodie?" Let's be honest here. I mean, when it comes to coaching, that man is a genius. And I believe that that man may be able to get his sixth Super Bowl championship this uh, coming up Super Bowl. Not too sure, though. He, he He's a mastermind in the coaching ranks, I must add. I mean, but Mike, they play the game on the field. You know, he can't play for them. He just, he just can, he can prepare the team to play. He can't go out there, run the ball, catch it, kick it, and so forth. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing how he gets his team to – focus, you know, year in, year out, where they feel as if they haven't accomplished, accomplished anything. You get my drill? Instead of saying, well, hey, we're the mighty patriots, they don't paint themselves as the media do, if you will. You know, they paint themselves as, yeah, we're champions, but it doesn't mean a flip what we did last season. And he continues to get that out of them. That's what's amazing about it. I don't know how he does it with a different match of players, but they play. That's why they play the game like Jacksonville is hot. You know, it's hard to call. They go in with a solid running game. Brodos play ball. They got a chance to go on Foxborough to win. They do. I mean, it's possible, and I kind of want to go backwards now that you're here. I kind of want to go backwards and talk about the uh, talk about the game with Jacksonville and Pittsburgh and the news that today Todd Haley was fired. I mean, Mike, just real quickly as we kind of wrap that one up as well, do you put that loss on anybody but Todd Haley? Because, I mean, I'm racking my brain. I really can't put that loss on anybody but the offensive coordinator. And maybe you put a little bit of the blame on Mike Tomlin players. Mike, you know that resting player deal, it's a crapshoot, man, because – we know what injury does to teams, especially going to the playoffs, especially with high expectations. We also knows what we also know what happens when a team is just so damn flat that it seems like they forgot how to play football over a three week span. So that's somewhat hard to call now. As far as the Steelers, man, it was a slow start. Um, it's hard to really put the blame on anybody. I guess if you do. It got to be a little bit on the head coach because he's the head coach of Mike. Pittsburgh got back in that game. Pittsburgh fought tooth and nail. Y'all were staggering on the ropes, man. Y'all got hit the mouth hard early. They came back, fought like champions, fought like champions. I mean, I think the disappointment of, you know, let's face it, Pittsburgh on paper, Mike, we talked about this for the last month, should be Super Bowl champions. Now, we know that's not going to happen. That's why they play the game. So, guess what? 
you know, with disparity and with loss, somebody got to take the blame, bro. So there goes Todd Haley. But goodness, man, Mike, you helped me out. I heard people say it's Big Ben's fault. I heard people say it's Mike Tomlin's fault. Hell, for Pete's sake, I heard people call for Kevin Butler's head. So who are we going to blame, man? Well, and that's the thing about it. That's the thing about it. People are blaming Roethlisberger. People are blaming Tomlin. But you got to ask yourself, who was the guy making the call on that first set of down, on that first offensive series, who emptied the backfield every single play on that first series? Now, now there you go, Mike. Now, now, now we're talking about rationality. You got the best running back on the damn planet. Why not feed this dude, man? The game plan, uh, if anything, yeah, you can say, you know, Ty Haley should have put the game on the back of Le'Veon Bell, started, you know, with the run, the strong run game, and then transitioned to the pass, but especially since A.B. just came back. So, yeah, the game plan could have been altered, man, but you got to give some credit to Jacksonville, too, man, because on paper, you like, yeah, Jacksonville won that game. Big Ben, he had, what, four what, Mike? He had like 473, I believe. Ben That's had a solid nuts. game. That's nuts. That's nuts. AB had a monster game. Le'Veon Bell, you had a great game for Pete's sake. I just think the, 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 the grind of having to catch up. Let's remember, man, Jacksonville ain't the caliber of Pittsburgh, but it's the NFL team, man. It's the NFL playoff team that came in there hungry. They hit you guys in the mouth. It took a lot out of Pittsburgh to come back. A lot. Oh, yeah, definitely, especially without Ryan Shazier. And, I mean, you're going after one of the best and hottest young running backs in the league today in uh, in Leonard Fournette. I mean, a, that kid could not be stopped on Sunday. And, I mean, all power to him. I mean, I definitely say that the Jacksonville Jaguars won that game as much as I say the Pittsburgh Steelers lost that game for the simple fact being that, yeah, they were ready. They took advantage of the opportunities that they had, you know, I can see the argument that you put this game a little bit on Ben because he gave up 14 points with his two turnovers. But at the same time, you look at this game, this game would have been a lot different had Martavis Bryant not caught the fourth and 11 catch for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. Or had oh, Antonio, Brown, had Antonio Brown not caught that amazing pass in the end zone on that fourth down conversion. Big play. By who mean, made that play? Big Ben put that on the money. You couldn't you couldn't have laid it in his hands any better on both plays. So you got to look at a resilient Big Ben man who before the game pregame they were talking about he was talking about how tore up he was the first game with the turnovers and all that. He did the same thing, Mike. He did the same thing. Well, guess what he did this time? He said, "Hell no, I'm not going down this road. We're gonna compete. We're gonna get back in this game." So. Tip your hat to Big Ben, and the guy's not finished. Pittsburgh window is wide the freak open. Point. So what you do is you circle the wagon. You don't have a knee-jerk reaction to do nothing stupid by firing Mike Tomlin. You know, you you tweak. You can tweak the, the, the coordinators on offense and defense, but you keep that team status quo because it's a championship-ready-made team. You do not break that team up. You don't do it. Oh, no, 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 no. And that's the thing, you know, me and Brad were texting back and forth today, and he was talking about Le'Veon and the potential for Bell to go to you guys' team, the San Francisco 49ers. 
Honestly, the thing is this, with Le'Veon in the offseason, and you addressed it by saying something about breaking up the team. Here's the thing with Le'Veon Bell. I I mean, really, who do you have left to sign? There, Le'Veon Bell should be priority number one, and this number team one. should break the bank to make sure that Le'Veon Bell remains the Pittsburgh Steeler for his career. Yeah, it's uh... – it's going to be a numbers game with Martavius Bryant because he could be a number, at least a number two somewhere else, maybe a number one. He get his hair right, but you got plenty of receivers. You got you got Eli Rogers and so forth. So you got the uh, young receivers on the outside taking care of for years to come. So you got to lock Le'Veon Bell up because the suitors going to come. But, Mike, this is going to be the million-dollar question. Second-year franchise, this guy, because it's going to happen. I mean, Pittsburgh is the steel city, so – you take on the mentality in the history of your city. The Roonies ain't been in the NF business this long by nobody telling them what to do. And you know that just as well as I do, Mike. So with that, yeah, you definitely. know, threatening, I'm not going to do this and do that. Well, okay, well, we're going to franchise tag you. Now, I love Le'Veon Bell. That's why they have a draft every year, Mike. And I feel Pittsburgh, granted how great this guy is, he's had the second most touches since 2013 at 1,541. And we know the longevity of a running back. So I think Pittsburgh has the business sentiment like, okay, well, he got some mouths on him. Granted, he's, you know, arguably the best running back in the league. We may be afford we may be able to afford to let him go. In contrast to paying him these gaudy, you know, amounts of money and we only have him for three more seasons. So think about it, Mike. Think about the economics. So they're not going to be told what to do, so he might sit out, my friend. Uh, and, I mean, that's definitely an accurate thing to say is that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't going to be pushed around and they're not going to be told not what to all. do. But when it comes to somebody like Ben Roethlisberger, or when it comes to somebody, you know, even – and I do. You know, I almost said Ben Roethlisberger right there, but I put Le'Veon on Penn's level as far as importance. You know, this is a guy who is Definitely. the franchise. Besides Ben Roethlisberger, you know, there's the killer bees, Ben, Bell, and Brown. You got to make sure you keep that that core intact. You may be able to play oh. with some of the outside pieces, but you got to keep the core intact. And that's the you thing I believe you, that Pittsburgh's looking to do. Yeah, you can come to the negotiating table, man, but if one guy's in left field, you know, we're in second base here, I mean, we got to better get on the same page. And, you know, it can't be really animosity. It has to be professionalism. We both sit at the tables instead of going on social media saying, you know, I better get paid. If they don't pay me, I'm going to do this. Let's be a professional here. Either way it well, goes, you're going to get paid, young man. You're going to get paid. And you mentioned. You're going to make a business decision, Mike. You mentioned Martavis Bryant earlier. I, I mean, let's be honest here. Hey, Martavis Bryant learned that lesson harder than anybody earlier in the oh, season yeah. when he tried to. Uh, go to social media, him and his girlfriend tried to go to social media and lobby the fact that he should be the number one receiver. They thought that he should be the number one receiver over Antonio Brown. Obviously, we all roll our eyes at that now, but I mean, you know, you kind of got to tip your hat to a guy who, you know, lobbies for himself like that, and you know, has a little bit of confidence in himself. But I want to kind of move on as we got about 19 minutes left in the short show so you can go out and enjoy your vacation there, Mr. Pettis. But uh, we're going to kind of move on to the other team that proceeded to just completely let everybody down 
as far as people expecting what was going to happen, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they were one pass away from one pass away, but still, the Atlanta Falcons, in my opinion, this should have never been even close. Mike, you're right. It's half full and half empty from the standpoint that Philadelphia offense is hideous. If they didn't have a complete team, a great defense, you know, an outstanding special team, and arguably, you know, a great coach, a great up-and-coming coach, and Peterson, <laughs> they would be in trouble, man. Their offense is just, ugh. It's kind of hard to watch. But on the Falcons end, I'm looking at Steve Sarkeesian, and I want to ask you, what the hell are you doing? Exactly. I'm trying to figure the game plan out. You you get inside the red zone, and you really don't see tight end action. You know, you really don't see the uh, the two-star running backs, Coleman and Freeman, like you should. So that, that last series was kind of weird. I don't know if you thought so, but I don't know. Did they throw it three times to try to run it once, or did they throw it uh, – that was just weird to me, man. I mean, I don't think the Sarkeesian uh, experiment is working in Atlanta, man. So, he's probably out of there. But this game was hard to watch. It was. Oh, yeah. Another it, it situation was, was where you watch. definitely have to put it on the offensive coordinator, Mike. I mean, the thing is with the, thing is with the Philadelphia Eagles, they were an anemic offense, and they still are. Without Carson Wentz, that offense is going nowhere in a hurry. And let's be honest, yeah. we're all going to have to say that the Minnesota Vikings are now officially going to host the Super Bowl. So congratulations to the fans in Minnesota. You still got to win Sunday, but let's be honest, we're pretty much penciling you in. The yeah. thing is with this game, the thing is with this game though, it would have been a lot better would it have been the Falcons versus the Vikings or the Falcons versus the Saints as We'll get into the yep. other NFC divisional match here in a minute, but the that was that was crazy to me that final series, and you know something that really doesn't get a lot of play, but my boss at work made a good point. He said if anybody, you know, needs to be fired, the first person that needs to be fired is the equipment manager for the Atlanta Falcons, and I kind of looked at him and said, "Huh?" And he said, "Did you not notice that everybody?" on that field was slipping and falling on the yes, routes. Yes, they were. The they didn't have no traction. Yes. And, and that's funny that you said that because on that was huge. Manager. It caused some first downs on both sides. Big tackles on the defensive side, they missed. It caused them first downs on the offensive side. You got receivers slipping out of their routes. You got receivers slipping out they catch the ball with at least five more ten yards of, you know, paid her to feel, but they kept slipping. He ain't lying about that. That was kind of mystery, too. They're supposed to be on top of that, man. It's, uh, you know, everyone has yeah, their job that, to do. Everyone has to execute for this thing to work. Yeah, that was definitely a head-scratcher, and we'll go ahead and move on to the probably the craziest finish in NFL playoff history, the Minnesota Vikings versus the New Orleans Saints. And I'm just going to start it off and preference and, and start it off with the last play. I mean, they called it heaven was the pl- name of the play. How apropos that it sent the Vikings to the NFC championship. But let's be honest. If that defender, if 43 stays back and keeps the play in front of them, 
That play never happens. I mean, am I right, Mike? Man, that play never takes place. He just the, – the, defensive back one-on-one. Never let anyone get behind you. <laughs> or definitely make the tackle. But like you say, if number 43 makes the tackle, you know, even the other defender, if they defend better than they did, this never takes place. You know, they say they say he ducked to avoid the pass interference call. And that makes me scratch my head, too, as far as that goes. You know, it, would you rather the pass interference call and give them one more shot at the end zone? I, I'd rather take the pass interference call and just yeah. interfere yeah. with them, knock them out of bounds, bingo, bango, incomplete pass. You get the ball there. Uh, it wasn't in the end zone, so you don't get the ball at the one. So, I, I mean, in, my, in, in that case, take the pass interference <laughs> call if you have to. Do whatever it takes to make sure that that guy does not catch the ball and get in the end zone if you're the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, he should have never caught the ball. So this is my problem. You defend the ball, not the man anyway, right? Correct. The man ain't going to hurt you. The ball is what's going to hurt you. You know, if he catches it. So my deal is his whole intention was, okay, don't get a P.I., don't get a P.I. Game is won. You still got to do your job, man. You still got to execute your job. It doesn't change because it's the final play of the game. He went against all his laurels, man, and it cost him. That ball should have been exactly. knocked down or something. I mean, it, you were so stuck on not, you know, causing a P.I., you didn't do your job. And guess what? The ball came to your man. I told a guy in your vicinity, so that shouldn't have never happened, man. He's a professional. That that play is made in, in, in Pee Wee and in, in Optimus and in Satoma League, so, you know. He's a professional athlete, so my, he's going to have to take the uh, criticism and the uh, the backlash of what happened because you don't do that. And like you say, you always tackle with your head up. His head wasn't even up. And another thing is, if you was about to tackle somebody, you damn near risk breaking your neck. Exactly. What are you doing? Just look, what are you doing? Just look at Ryan Chazier. That's all you have to exactly. do is look at Ryan Chazier. Exactly. That's why you keep your head up. That's why you keep your head up. So that's baffling, man. I, I still don't get that one. I mean, and that's the thing, you know. This you look at all the all the things about Ben Roethlisberger. Could this have potentially been his last shot at a Super Bowl? Obviously, he's uh, telling players inside the organization that he wants to play at least another three years. So thank you, Jesus, there in Pittsburgh. Oh. We're all breathing a sigh of relief there, but you got to ask yourself, too, is this Drew Brees and Sean Payton's last shot at a Super Bowl? It's hard to say that because they got a nice young mesh of talent. You know, each season is different, Mike, so we can't predict anything. Because teams have teams draft every year, and teams, you know, acquire players in free agency. It's different teams every year. Teams get better, let's face it. But with that being said, the Saints got a nice little nucleus of players going on with Kamara. You know, Ingram's still kind of young there. You got Drew Brees, who at least has four or five, four, at least four years at a top level. You got Michael Thomas. You got a nice young defense, excitement back in New Orleans. So uh, I think you try to keep it 
together. And one thing with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, you know what's behind them, Tom Mike? They won that coveted thing called a Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. You see how it works exactly. when you win it? You see how it works when you win it? You know, you get a little bit more time. And I'm going to think with that to New York. I mean, Eli probably should have been gone two seasons ago. But what did Eli bring to the New York City? I I two mean, he brought the Lombardi Trophy not once but twice. But twice. You know, that's legendary status, man. So when these guys are winners, you have a tendency to say, well, you know what, uh, let's get this thing another shot, especially with a season like this, especially if you lose because an idiot D-back, you know, went against all his training and his rules and didn't keep his freaking head up and then play the ball. So, you know, you kind of write this one off and say, okay, you know, it wasn't meant to be, but let's give it another shot. You got arguably the rookie of the year. You got uh, maybe maybe the league MVP. Pardon me, he'll definitely get votes. You know, right? If Brady right. get it, who knows? But yeah, what are you doing? And I mean, Mike, we got about ten minutes left, so I do want to go ahead and preview the new NFC and the AFC title games. Obviously, looking first at the Patriots Jaguars game. I mean, I do have the Patriots winning this game, and I'll tell you why. Zone defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers have learned this lesson the hard way the past number of years. They've learned the lesson that you cannot play zone defense against Tom Brady and expect to win. He'll pick you apart all game. And that NFC and that Patriot, uh, that Patriot defense is too good for you to try to keep up with them scoring down the field each and every time. And the Jaguars' offense isn't that great because the Patriots, I believe, will do what Pittsburgh couldn't, and they'll be able to shut down Leonard Fournette. So, obviously, I think that the New England Patriots are going to move on to the Super Bowl. And, I I mean, honestly, unless somehow the Jaguars decide to play man coverage for a majority of this game and they jam those receivers and get in Tom Brady's face, I don't expect it to be close. Uh, uh, you know, let's face it, man. I mean, we all expect them to win at home. You know, momentum, the great Tom Brady. But Jacksonville has a puncher's chance. Uh, it'll be difficult. Um, you definitely have to uh, have a solid game plan. Let's face it. They're going to try to take away what you need, which is Leonard Fournette, to have affect the game. So, you know, you fight strength against strength. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be a lot closer game than you think, Mike. But they're probably not going to be doing it. I don't think they're going to be in the Super Bowl. But I think they'll put up a fight. But I think New England will will themselves to take away Fournette, whatever it takes, even if they do get a couple of plays downfield. But they'll take away Fournette and make Blake Bortles beat them. They're going to be one dimension. And we don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Not this year. That's not going to Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing any way that Blake Bortles is going to be your Super Bowl winning quarterback at the end of the season. And if somehow he is, he's going to get a very undeserved large amount of cash contract in uh, somewhere because I really, you know, Jacksonville needs to go ahead and address that. But moving on the NFC side, we got the Minnesota Vikings heading to Philadelphia.
And I mean, you got to kind of take into effect into uh, account the fact that the Eagles, you know, that Philadelphia isn't an easy place to play. It's going to be cold. You know, the Minnesota Vikings are used to playing inside of a dome. I still think, though, that the Philadelphia Eagles don't have enough. Uh, I mean, I really don't. I think the Minnesota Vikings and Case Keenum are on fire. That's the beautiful thing. You know, Philadelphia has one quarterback go down, and all of a sudden the offense collapses, whereas you have the Minnesota Vikings. They've had two quarterbacks go down. And Case Keenum's making a damn good case to be the top quarterback of all three of them. But, man, first of all, you got to tip your head to Case Keenum, definitely a success story. A a young player out of the University of Houston that kind of worked his way up, you know, a late-round draft draft pick. They always told he'll probably never be a starter or too small, just didn't have the talent. So it's definitely a success story and a testament to hard work and will. But as far as this Minnesota-Philadelphia uh, thing, you know, it, it, it's pretty much in the basket for Minnesota from the standpoint this inconsistent Eagle offense. And you're about to go against the, the best defense in the NFL at home, you know, at you know a new stadium, loud, thirsty for the Super Bowl in which they're hosting. So it's a lot at stake. And, Mike, let's remember, this is the first year in, what is it, U.S. Bank? Of America Stadium, I think. I believe it's the second year that they've had they've played in this stadium. No, this is this is the first year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, okay, it may, no, this may, it no, may no, be no, the this first. may be the this may be the second year. This may be the second year, Mike. But remember where they played before that? They played outside at the University of Minnesota. So, seventy yeah. percent of this team, guess what? That's not going to affect them. The weather. Because they've done it, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it kind of prepared them for this bit. Yeah. So it kind of prepared these guys for this. That's not going to stop them from uh, when the NFC side of this thing and uh, going to the Super Bowl with a very big yeah. chance of winning it. Yeah, I mean, and that's a very good case to be made. Is the strongest team left that could challenge the vaunted New England Patriots is the Minnesota Vikings. But one thing I want to address is we have a few extra minutes here. Pat Shermer is potentially the leading candidate in Arizona to replace Bruce Arians as the head coach. And it's been t- the, the rumor and innuendo, so to speak, is that one of those three quarterbacks could potentially follow oh, yeah. Shermer oh, to yeah. Arizona. Oh yeah. And so I gotta oh, ask yeah. if you're the if you're the Minnesota Vikings, Ooh. which quarterback do you do you care, I guess, the least about? Which quarterback do you not mind letting go of? And, I, I mean, when you think about it, Sam Bradford's been a journeyman. Sam Bradford's a guy that has only excelled under Pat Shermer's tutelage. I think that the best thing that you could hope for if you're Shermer is they go ahead and let Sam Bradford go, and I believe that they could have a very successful tenure there in Arizona. Mike, I agree. The, the, the problem that you have is with the maturation and, you know, the development of Keno, you have three number ones on the roster. Now, as we all know and understand, they all won't be on the same roster next year. All these guys right. will be starters in the NFL. You have Teddy Bridgewater, who's coming off a horrific leg injury. Thank God to, uh, you know, medical technology. 
he's back. He's going to be 100%. And let's face it, let, let's, let's, let's be honest. He's a young, up-and-coming quarterback with the jury still out on him, but the potential still there. So he'll leave and get a job. Sam Bradford is a journeyman, but Sam Bradford is a solid quarterback with a big arm that can make all the throws. That's been a good pro. So he'll get a job. So I'm really thinking that Shermer takes Bradford to um, Arizona with him. Bridgewater will resurface in New York. Jets with Todd uh, Boyles. Todd Bowles? Todd Bowles, I could see that. And the thing about this Case Keenum thing, man, I mean, you could go get a young guy in the draft and let him sit sit back, you know, what kind of the, the you know the the the, the Brett Favre, you know, um, um, and Rogers kind of um, formula or mold? But Case Keenum has earned this job, especially if he wins the Super Bowl, especially if he gets there. You you can't ask this guy and, and put a guy in there that you know, despite getting hurt and all that kind of stuff, this kid earned that job, man. So you got to keep. I definitely agree with that. Well, Mike. Definitely want to say we hope you have a good time out there on your vacation. Oh, yeah. And uh, we certainly, you know, once again, a short, a short show this week. So you can go ahead and have a little bit of extra time to enjoy your vacation yeah. this week. But next week we're going to no be doubt. back two hours, same time, same bat channel, same bat place, as they say. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here, brother? Uh, not at all, man. You know, just want to say sorry for the tardiness. Uh, great show. Um, have a good night, Mike. Have a good night. Ladies and gentlemen, for Mike Pettis, I'm Michael Carnahan. You've been listening to Mike and Mike at Night. We'll talk at you next week. Turn out the lights. The party's over. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night The party